folks, and welcome welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajimam, again, and this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Native Shark, which is an online platform for learning Japanese. And what Native Shark do is they make learning Japanese really, really simple. You log in, you click a button that says study now, and the platform then shows you exactly what you need to learn next based on your previous progress. Now, again, this is simple, but the way it's designed means that students who use Native Shark once a day for four to five months can complete the equivalent of over two years of university study. And this is not just um, them patting themselves on the back. Now that Native Shark's been in business for over a year, the results are in. So this is exactly what people are saying. Uh, just looking at the couple of posts in their community forums. And the student community, by the way, is one of the best things about the platform. So one person's writing, most productive year I've had learning Japanese. And then another one says, I've started learning over a year ago with all of these other platforms. And what I learned there is only a fraction of what I've learned on Native Shark in just three months. And then yet another one goes, in my mind, my study timeline only started with Native Shark because that's when I really started learning consistently and on and on. So yet the proofs in the pudding, it's definitely the best online course out there. And since you've heard about it here on the podcast, you also get an extra little bonus. If you sign up for their free trial uh, using the URL nativeshark.com forward slash NTI, and we'll link to it in this episode's show notes. So that's native without an E. So N-A-T-I-V shark, all one word, dot com forward slash N-T-I. You use that link to sign up and you'll get a double length free trial. So two weeks free instead of just the one. No need to put in your credit card, anything of that sort. You can just sign up, give it a shot, and chances are at the end of these two weeks, you'll already be far ahead of wherever you are with your Japanese at the moment, whether you're just starting out or you're already in knee deep. Give it a shot, nativeshark.com forward slash NTI. Now, before we dive into today's episode, as usual, a quick reminder on our December business networking and board slash card slash strategy games weekend in Fukuoka. We're really looking forward to meeting as many of you as possible. Unfortunately, the borders are still close to non-residents, but if you're in Japan and you've got even a passing interest in business and you want to have an awesome weekend, so honing your strategic planning, resource management, social interaction, risk assessment skills through games, as well as, of course, form personal and business connections, listen to awesome speakers, have some brainstorming sessions with like-minded individuals, and eat fabulous food prepared especially for you. This one is the event of the year, and we're hoping to make it an annual thing from here on. So 10 to 12 December, Friday through to Sunday at the Hotel Montan in Hakata, Fukuoka. Amazing venue. Check it out in the show notes. We've got the event page there for you and also the booking link. You do need to book in advance, and we're not sure exactly when, but registration will close at some point. And also, again, while flights from Tokyo, Osaka, etc. are cheap budget flights, the prices are slowly rising and will likely continue to rise as we get closer to the day. So if you haven't booked your tickets now, now is the time. Again, link in the show notes or just hop over to our website, nippontradings.com. Scroll down a bit and you'll see there somewhere towards the middle of our homepage. Okay, so for today's episode, yet another JREP Japan Real Estate Experts Panel Session with the four usual suspects and carrying on from our renovation and rebuild session a few weeks back. So we were talking about when is it better to renovate versus rebuild the property. 
So this time we dive deeper into renovations, both structural and interior maintenance, as well as pre-sale renovations and staging, etc., and how this all differs between rental investment properties and owner-occupied properties, what happens when you upgrade your home and you need to flip over your mortgage to a new property, builder warranties, uh, official property evaluations and property tax statements. But before all that, we've got some fun stuff. So Matt's introduced us to the world of goat blogs, or as he likes to call them, goat tinder. Uh, he talks a bit about garbage castles or structures that are built of recycled materials. Emil gets a bit panicky about an earthquake or at least a little tremor that he felt there. So yeah, pretty exciting and funny episode. Enjoy and I'll see you again on the other side. Well, it's, it's, yeah. So in the, um, in the link that I sent in the chat is there's actually a few of these services out there. They all are like 1997 BBSs. It's ridiculously dated. Um, but if you click through to Happy Goat, this is one way that you can find goats for free. <laughs> um, I need to share the screen. Hang on. Happy goat, happy me. That that's important. Oh, that's a cute one. More. Oh wow! There's a new one. A cute little, cute little goat that was only born on the seventh of this month. Share your goats. <laughs> you gotta scroll down a little bit. Uh, is that like a Pokemon thing? Kind of. So these, these are the listings. These are right. You're looking at goat listings. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and so I wonder you know, if you're allowed to keep them in a mansion apartment. Probably not, right? You know, um, I wouldn't thing, do it to the goat too, but I'm just wondering. Goats aren't as bad. The chickens, you don't think about, or at least I never did. Like chickens don't shut up for the most part. And so yeah. if you have... Don't be that person that has, I don't know, a bunch of chickens near your, unless you're on top of the building or something, because they're very loud. <laughs> it's a real cute one. They are very cute. <laughs> so yeah, we might be going to get another goat sometime soon and also check out some more Akia. So you're a goat collector now, are you? Yeah, kind of, I guess. I mean, what do we do with, we don't really, we just feed oh. them. <laughs> don't they, aren't they good for like like uh cutting the grass and stuff yeah so that's that's why we got them originally is because we've got we don't even own it it's just the local government had what amounts to just like akia land that or farmland that wasn't being used um and a friend of mine just kind of asked like well i don't want to sell anything so like i don't you know need licensing or anything but can we just like build tree houses and, <laughs> and, you know, plant potatoes and stuff and just like try our hands at being farmers because none of us know what we're doing. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, go have a great time. Um, but it was totally, totally overgrown. Um, and honestly, most of it still is. Uh, and so we got the goats to, to eat, <laughs> eat a bunch of the, well, unfortunately they also eat the stuff we planted now. So that's a problem we have to figure out, but Yes, they are very good lawnmowers. And they're good with fences too, right? Like fences don't really stop them, do they? Well, no, that's the most recent thing that we did. We've got, so this, I, I refer to our hobby farm as like the garbage castle because it's just built entirely out of garbage. Um, and so we have like, it, so it, it used to be, I guess it still technically is a, um, what do you call it? Like a, like a hothouse. 
greenhouse. There we go. Um, but all of the vinyl and kind of everything that makes it enclosed and stuff is rotted away and whatnot. But there's still like, you know, a bunch of metal girders and just, you know, wooden boxes and stuff. So if you just rip them apart, you can make, uh, you can make a lot of fences. I learned how to make stairs and level planes and stuff. Um, so yeah, we've just got, we've got, what, four, four, five houses now that we've built out of, not like shacks, not houses. <laughs> that we've built out of all of this garbage when you know they're just like that's where we keep our shovels and you know whatnot and so we also have the goat fence that we built out of a bunch of rusty uh <laughs> rusty metal bolts <laughs> so yeah anyway you can do a lot with uh vacant land and fences and goats okay so um let me ask you a question. I'm not sure if you could all chime in on that, but um, this is something that actually I've been getting a feel for over the years that I've been working, but I've never actually gotten an official answer. So uh, maybe you guys would know better than me. And the question is, how is property tax um, or official evaluations that come with the property tax, how is that assessed and how often? So I know that we get a property tax statement every year and it's always slightly different, but it's always vastly different to market price. So how do these actually work? How does the government or the tax department evaluate the official value of a property and why is it never similar to market value? Do you have any ideas? Oh, hold on, there's a little earthquake. I'm getting a little tremor right now. So, uh... Really? Oh. Yes, yeah. No. I'm on the third floor. So. I hope we don't end up on the found footage film <laughs> the moment the earthquake. <laughs> That'd be good content. <laughs> so there, there, was a, there was a small earthquake in, in Victoria, in Melbourne this morning. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, where I'm from. So I was getting messages from, from like, you know, in the chats and stuff like that from my, my people wow. in Australia, my family and whatnot. Um, and they're like, oh, it was a, a six, magnitude six. And my, my wife's in the chat as well, and she's like, oh, you got a magnitude six. I go, oh, yeah, but that, that's an Aussie six. It's not the Japanese six. The Shindo <laughs> six is whatever. <laughs> I was, like, brushed it aside. And, like, people in Australia, like, we have to leave the house. But wait, we're in lockdown. Yeah. Are oh, no. Are we allowed to leave the house to evacuate for an earthquake? Um, I think it's pretty minor, though. But uh, I think for, for Australia, I think earthquake um, beats mandatory corona lockdown any day of the week, yeah. Like, is that, like, a John Ken Bone kind of thing? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you stay inside <laughs> the crumbling brick house. Where were we? Tax, land tax. Property tax, um, I, official evaluation. Yeah, so, yeah, okay. So I cannot give an answer on how they come up with their figure, but the uh, land, the assessment valuation um, for land tax assessment is significantly lower than market price. And then you pay a percentage of, of that. And I, I forget the actual numbers. It's like there's there's a local tax and then a special a special tax. Yeah, and it's also um, lower for properties under 200 square meters and higher hmm. properties over to us. So there, there's a bit of a formula to it. But why is it so different to market price? Do you have any idea? Um, yeah, well, they, they it's very specifically for... It's a valuation for land tax assessment not a market price valuation um and why they why it's different i don't know 
but yeah, you we don't see them being near like market value. Even if you say I bought this yesterday at this price, they'll come and do the tax evaluation for, for the official valuation for land tax assessment is a much lower price. It ends up being around um, the, the the tax you have to pay yearly in in Tokyo and like in the the suburb we we're at is usually about quarter a percent to half a percent of the what the market price would be. Yeah. All right. Um, so you know, anywhere from you know a hundred to three hundred thousand yen a year. Um, and then the in terms of when it's assessed, the, and and I'll let you know sort of the importance of it for when you're doing a, a purchase. So when you purchase your own family home, it is assessed, I believe, every May. Every in May, that's when you receive the letter for your land tax bill. But yeah. it is billed to the person who owned it on January first. Okay, so land tax assessment is for um, the, the the tax liability is whoever owns the property on January first. So, um, and when you when you purchase a house, you have to pay a daily pro rata for whatever the land tax is, because the owner owned it on January first. Then they would you, get the bill. Yeah, the, yeah, they get the bill. So when you do the settlement, the settlement will say, okay, this is the property price you owe. Just say. Um, 80 million, you bought the property for 80 million yen, you paid a 2 million yen deposit, so yep. you have a 78 million yen um, on settlement day, you, know, you have to pay the seller 78 million yen plus the remaining land tax prorated for the day, so if you buy the property on December 1st, if settlement is December 1st you owe the landlord um, 31 days of, sorry, you owe the seller 31 days of land tax. So they say, okay, the land tax was, a, you know, 200,000 yen divided by 365 times 31. And that's what you have to pay on top of your 78 million yen. Okay? Yeah. So if you buy the property on, um, in like middle of the year, you'll, you have to pay roughly 50% of the land tax. If you buy it towards the end of the year, your land tax that you, you need to pay for that year is of course going to be a lot less. Um, let's say you buy it on December 1st, you need to pay 31 days of land tax with your transaction, which you you pay to the seller of the property. You don't pay to the ward office. Yeah. yeah. And then for, um, on, uh, what did I say? Uh, then on, because you're the owner on January 1st, the following year, on around May, you'll receive the bill for the full of, you know, in this case, January 20, for the full of 2022. Okay, um, and you have you can either pay it off at once, or I believe there's three, uh, four installments you can do. Yeah, but the um, I'll just just slide amendment there. We have actually three installments. Is it three sorry. or four? Oh, it's four, four. Sorry, four installments. Four installments. Yeah. yeah. If you want um, to, you can pay it all in one go, but you can you yeah. can make it four installment quarterly. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 do, I just pay it off in one installment because- And there's, uh, never, and there's never any benefit. Oh, really? But there's never any, like, there's, no, there's never an incentive. Like, it's not as if you get a discount for paying it all off, like, oh, no, uh, no. in advance. Um, no, I'd no. be more inclined to do that. Well, it's just a load off, load off your brain. I just don't want to have to think about it the rest yeah. of the year. I'd just rather get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. There's just a one-time payment. And that's it. Um, we got, I got so many bills. You know, we have multiple properties. 
Um, and the same same with like the car, like the, you got car tax, you got so many different bills. And if you start dividing it up, instead of being four one-time payments, you have, you know, 16 payments. <laughs> you have yeah. to, you have to split up at different times. Uh, right. and mm. Yeah, it, it, starts to, it starts to spread out. So I'm like, yeah, you put no. reminders to yourself to get them paid and stuff like that. We have actually, I was going to say, we have actually had um, a case where the official evaluation, a few cases where the official evaluation was higher than the market price. And that was, um, I think because they, they're probably a bit outdated with market movements. So in Sapporo, for example, when we just started working, which was 2012, 11, 12, um, Sapporo took a big hit um, after the uh, after the uh, big Tohoku earthquake in 2011, and when tourists stopped coming to uh, Hokkaido for skiing, so the economy there took a hit and market prices took a hit. But the government was still taxing official evaluations that were way higher than market price. So at that point, we were actually paying annual property tax that was like two two and a half percent a year, like a lot higher than what it usually is. But um, any any other time, you're right. It's always a lot less than uh, official market price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one more thing I wanted to just add on to how the pa the payment works. So I'm, I explained that usually uh, because everything is a year out, right? A year retro. A year ahead or a year retro? I, I always forget. Hello. Uh, Tracy, your connection is very poor. We can see you move your hands, but not like actually. taxes and everything are always a year off, right? She said her um, internet was. I'll log out, log back in again. Yeah. Okay, I'll log out, log in again. Yeah. Um, but I think your question was, yeah, taxes are evaluated a year out. Um, like a year you know, out, is it? They're evaluated, okay. this, this, they're evaluated this year for and then you're liable the following year. Um, I think for land tax, is it every two or every, it's not every year that they do the evaluation. I'm not sure it's how not, is it? it is. Okay. It's, not, it's not a yearly valuation. Like, so the valuation you get is valid, I think for two or three years, and then they'll re, redo the valuation. Well, that explains it why it's so always much. a bit off because they're not, um, it takes them a while to catch up with market trends. Yeah, but market trends don't, don't move that much. Anyway, well, depending um, depending on the year, depending like just before the Olympics, we were seeing a lot of uh, price hikes, and then Fukuoka, when Fukuoka was you know first becoming familiar to people, it suddenly jumped almost um, double market price in about four or five years. So it does happen, not as much as it does in other countries. But Matt, how about your um, um, are your tax property tax um, uh, are your official evaluations always close to zero, or do you also get higher ones? Well, it's it's kind of a fuzzy, sort of fuzzy math kind of thing, just because especially with the older properties, they tend to kind of lie there. Um, so coming in at under market, it's it's kind of difficult to tell from the get-go exactly what they're coming in as uh, if they're not being administered properly. Generally speaking, though, once you kind of get, and of course, this is sort of part of the service, once you get the whole story put together. I don't think that there's anything very uh, kind of different coming out of the kind of the rural market or Akia as well. Um, that doesn't seem to be very much different from what you're talking about or what you're. So you don't see official evals that are like zero, close to zero, anything like that. The prices kind of end up just prices and evaluations that go with it kind of end up staying there and, and sort of get accepted as kind of common knowledge. 
uh, until there's reason to actually what update them yeah. um, as it were. So, but then again, it's also case by case. But if you get further out into the sticks, things can get pretty dirty so far as uh, having those on record is concerned. Hmm. Okay. I, I, wanted to add, um, uh, I just wanted to add that I'm, I don't know if you need to let Tracy back in the room or not because you're the host. So I'm not certain. Oh, but, I, didn't, um, I didn't get a message saying that no. she's. Okay. I'm not getting any requests. Yeah. Okay. No worries. Yeah, she's probably just restarting her, her system. Um, but uh, just, I just wanted to add, you know, I did say that the annual land tax is sort of a, you pay pro rider when you settle, when you do a house purchase, you pay the annual pro rider, whatever the daily rate is that's remaining. Um, when you buy a, a mansion, um, the same thing happens for management fees. And, yep. uh, and rental income the, the if it's tenanted. And, and the repair fund, yeah. Um, it gets... No, no, and rental you know, income. I mean, if you got a tenant in there, you also need to um, credit or debit um, for the rental income because the um, seller would have collected rental income for the next month or two. So they need to credit you for that as well. Yeah. So that there's the, yeah, the rental income, it's a rental property, but the management fee. So if you get it on the 15th of the month, you'll generally need to pay the 15 days for that month because the seller has already paid it. Yeah. And also then the next month, because generally the seller pays one month in advance. So the seller would have prepaid, you know, so, so now we're, we're in like, uh, was it September 22nd? So if you buy it today, you need to pay the other nine days for the end of this month, plus all of next month, you'll pay that to the seller. Um, and from, uh, for November, like two months ahead, that's when yeah. you will start, you'll start uh, paying for it. Um, directly to the management company. Yep. Uh, Tracy is yeah. back with us, I think. Mm -hmm. And it says Tracy is the host now. Yep, there she is. Yeah. Uh, there's her screen. Welcome back, Tracy. Almost. Almost there. <laughs> well, well, while she jumps on, um, I do like, oh, sorry, did you have any other questions? I've, I've got one that uh, I had today, I had this week um, that I'll. Uh, yeah, one more, sharing. but. One more, but that one might take some time to address. So maybe you go with yours first. I'll keep mine for later. Oh, welcome back, Tracy. Good to see you. Um, so I had a, a client meeting today, and he's interested in the process of... He currently has a house. He bought, uh, I think it was like in the past two or three years, so not too long ago. But he's thinking of like, you know, his job employment circumstances have changed. He has more income and more budget to buy a larger, more attractive property. And he's thinking either do that purchase, so just, just upgrade his property, sell, sell his existing one and, and buy another one, or do um, or keep the existing one as an investment and buy a, another property, okay, for him to live the bigger, grander one. Yeah. So, um, and, in that, and that's a kind of, let me say, a bit of a common scenario or the idea of, wanting to just upgrade, get a bigger place is, is pretty common if you've outgrown your existing one, regardless of how long you've been there. So how that works with the bank, because bank financing is the big issue. In general, like, let's say you earn 10 million yen a year, you can borrow 70 mil. So the bank will loan you about seven times your gross annual income. If you earn 10 million uh, yen, the bank will loan you 70. Let's say you've purchased the first property for 60 million yen, okay? You have residual borrowing capacity of about 10 million if you wanted to buy an investment property or buy a second or upgrade your family home. 
if you want to buy another home for yourself, you probably cannot get anything decent for 10 million yen, especially if you're going from 60 million yen property and you want to upgrade to a, a something bigger and grander. So in that situation, you'll need to most likely sell your, your first property and then buy your second one because the banks don't allow you to have two home loans at once for the most part. What... Um, so, but the strategy with that, some people think, oh, I need to sell my property first, pay it off, and then I need to quickly find another one, right, within that settlement period, which logistically is difficult, and you don't want to end up stuck, you know, with only a few months, like two months to find your proper dream home. So what actually happens is the banks will allow you, after you purchase a second property, six months to sell the first property. Okay. That's very nice. Yeah, so it's so you need to have like so you know let's say you, you want to buy your upgrade, you want to buy a second property. You go to the bank and you make the application, and they'll ask you, "Do you have an existing property?" And you say, "Yes, my current home." They say, "What are you going to do with it?" And of course, oh, I'm going to sell it. You know, you have no choice. So, in that scenario, you um, the bank said, "Okay, find your next property, um, make the application, and then we'll give you the." You can buy that. Once you've settled on the second property, you need to start actively selling your, your first property. And before they actually give you the loan, you'll usually need, uh, need to get a contract with an agent. So for example, like ourselves, uh, a contract um, to engage in the sale process. So we're going to officially act as your agent to start selling and advertising your, your own property. And so they're going to want to see that contract. That's enough to satisfy the bank that the process has started. Uh, that, yeah, that you're engaged with an agent to try and actively yeah. sell your property. And y yes, that's enough. But, you know, so for example, and generally the app clients would, would be dealing with us. Okay. So they would, you know, we'd, we'd buy the first property, we'd buy the property, but we'd also provide the bank with the contract. Um, you know, they've agreed that we're going to start trying to sell the first one. Then once they settle, they can actually start the selling process before they, they settle on the new one, on the new house. Okay, because, um, you know, they want to probably sell it as quickly as possible. And whoever makes the offer on the first house, they say, great, you can settle, but the house, our new house is not going to be built until January. So you can, we can settle middle of January. All right. Yeah, um, no, that's pretty common. We've actually yeah. even had a case where even after settlement, the uh, seller got special permission to stay for another couple of months. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's different scenarios, but generally you have to actively be engaged in trying to sell it. And they want you to sell it within six months. We had one property that was in December 2019 is when he bought his second property. And then we started trying to sell his first property. And that's when COVID sort of in March of 2020 is when lockdown happened. So it took us about eight months to sell. Not We couldn't get it within a six month window. After six months, the bank was calling our agency saying, what's going on? Have you sold it yet? Have you sold it? And when we, when we finally did, we said, look, we have some other clients, but because we're in the middle of lockdown, state of emergency, there's very limited um, viewings that we can do. You know, and, and you know, early 2020, people were still very, very afraid, and not nearly as you know, fatigued as they were now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Um, so, but yeah, the bank was very much on our case, quite a lot pushing, uh, pushing us. And then when we finally settled, we needed to provide them an updated land title to say that it's been transferred 
and that the owner no longer has the the mortgage lien on the property. So that was um, the quite quite a strict requirement from the from the bank. There's no penalty if you don't make the the six month timeline as long as you're actively trying to do it. The bank was yep. not happy, but there was no financial penalty or anything like that. However, if the owner flagrantly just disregarded any attempt to sell it and rented it out and said, no, it's not even being advertised anymore. We're not trying. I'm going to keep it. Yeah. Um, the bank said they would consider either changing the um, the loan to a free loan, which means like a, it's almost like an investment, like 2.5% investment loan or asking to sell the new property. Okay. So um, because they don't want it to keep two mortgages. So you cannot really go with it. You, if you tell the bank you're going to try and sell the property, if their condition to give you the new financing is that you have to sell the first property, they will not um, allow you just to ignore it and say, "Yeah, sorry, you know what? I'm not. I'm, I'm just going to keep it. That, that's not. That's not okay." Um, but yeah, the, but in general, people, are, you know, they're keen to sort of sell the first one so they can build a new one. So that that's the process. You don't need to be renting for two months or three months until you find the the current property you can just buy buy one and then you have six months to try and sell your uh, your first property right. that's the process gotcha okay well i'll move on to um question number two um and i think actually i I'd love for you all to chime in because you'd have different perspectives on this one. So someone's asking, um, how much money should I be putting aside for maintenance of my home? So we've got our own experience with that, but I think you guys um, probably know. I mean, Tracy probably knows a whole lot about the interior wear and tear. And um, <laughs> Emil, I'm sure, deals with uh, deals with them on a regular basis. And Matt probably rebuilds them from the ground up every now and again. So I'd love to hear what you all uh, think is like common maintenance for a typical, let's call it a 3DK, 120 square meter house. Well, I mean, in our case, again, it can be kind of difficult to say exactly what's going to be needed just because it's it varies but generally i mean uh, not, not to renovate i mean once it's livable and it's like ongoing with somebody living there and it's already in livable status not like a complete renovation oh oh in that case maintenance then, yeah not much mm. at all there there are outliers i think i mentioned recently that there was a place we were um working with that just the garden itself cost per year uh to uh take care of um so that's kind of a lot depending on your circumstances uh, but generally like once you get the thing up and running um i mean it's i don't even know if honestly does it even change across kind of geography and i mean the just, roof walls uh, tiles there's got to be something that needs a bit of maintenance now well, you know what? go ahead i'm gonna i'm gonna just sort of jump into that and say I, we don't really do a monthly, I can't say, like, save, I don't put money aside monthly for those maintenance, potential maintenance costs, right? Um, like every 10, the big ones you need to do when you have a house, uh, every 10 years, they say 10 to 15 years, but I think 10 years would be a bit better, is if the exterior maintenance. If it's a new Sorry? house, if it's a relatively new uh, house. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's say a brand new house, right? Yeah. After, uh, um, actually, Tracy, I see two two videos you've got up. Oh, really? Oh, so, yeah. I don't know we got two Tracys. Oh, my God. So, oh, there you go. She's close enough. All <laughs> right. Um, uh, you're, you're muted, though. Okay, so anyway, I'll, I'll continue while she gets her stuff sorted. <laughs> carry on, carry um, on. So the, the exterior maintenance of the building is probably the big cost that you need like when you have a, a house like a, a three-bedroom house and that requires sort of painting of the exterior walls and painting of the roof um and that's done about every ten. and like if you have balcony the repainting of the water of the uh the uh it's like a fiberglass um yeah. uh floor for the the balcony area for water the roof needs to be a uh, re-waterproofed right I'm um, not really waterproof, just like maintain. Like, so if it's after 10 years, if everything's still in good condition, yeah, they, they repaint it. Um, yeah. Houses now in, you know, they have, it's not actually waterproofing. The, the, the tile type sheets that they have on, on the roof, are there for fire. That's so fire from neighboring houses, more fireproofing does not come onto, like, the, so they don't burn. Um, underneath it is like a plastic sheet that is for the waterproofing okay yep. so the what happens is if um like so every 10 years or so they'll clean the you do the you know you see they put the scaffolding up around the building and they basically clean the whole building and then repaint and any cracks or anything like that they'll they will um they'll sort of putty it up or yep. if it's that's if it's a um i can say if it's a like a render a cement rendering yeah that they have the, the mortar um, if it's a, that kind of rendering that they have on the building, then yeah, they, they fix up any kind of cracks that may have happened. And and remember, even under the render is a plastic sheeting for waterproofing. So even if there's cracks, it doesn't mean water's going in and destroying the property. Okay? Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they patch all those up and then they repaint the house and repaint the roof. Okay. So it's all sort of clean and, and re-protected from, by, by the paint. And you want to do that maybe every 10 years. Um, because like we've seen some houses, they're like, you know, say 18 years old or so, and they've never been maintained or, you know, it's gone to 15 years and they've never been maintained. And that's when you go, or they say, oh, you go inside the third floor in the closet, there's a water leak from the ceiling, yeah. right? Or there's another, and the exterior starts to get, you know, a bit tatty or the roof starts to fall apart that it needs replacement, replacing. Yeah. Okay. So if you don't maintain it in a timely fashion, then I think the longer term maintenance costs are more expensive. Or when you want to resell the property, it's going to lose more value than the cost of maintenance. Well, I think um, the we also heard the first time is maximum 15 years. And then from there on, it's every 10 years. And then what, 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 what does this kind of project cost approximately in your experience? Well, I don't, um, well you know, I haven't done it yet for my own houses, but yeah. I think it's around 2 million. Yeah. yeah that's what I thought. For, for three-story houses. Yeah. So nothing too crazy, but you know, I don't, put aside money every month for 10 years. No, but people that. want Just, to factor yeah. that into their yeah. calculations yeah. when they buy. So that, that's similar to what we told them. If the house is relatively young, you should probably think about something like $2,000 a year or 200,000 yen a year. Yeah. As it gets older, maybe notch that up to 300,000 a year, yeah. past the 20 year mark or so and, and so forth. Yeah. Um, and, and how about interior, Tracy? You'd have a lot of experience with that. 
Um, I just give my opinion on um, buying. When you build a house with one of the building companies, all of, a lot of these maintenance things are actually built in um, and they have a lot of warranties as well. So, you know, my For house. For how long? For how long? 30, well, the exterior of my house is actually – all the waterproofing for my house is guaranteed for 30 years, um, which is about the which is about the age of the – like the ex life expectancy of the house yeah. itself. Um, well, from a tax perspective, for sure, yeah. It's even less yeah. than that, I think, yeah. And then they have regular, you know, maintenance scheduling built in, um, built into – so, uh, you know, we, we have – people come in every six months and check out the house and they that's part of their that's part of what you pay for um you know if you go with a, a contractor and an architect that's you, you're probably up for that yourself but the peace of mind that we got by you know not necessarily being native japanese speakers having having a building company was was that peace of mind of having that maintenance built into it because of course it you know it, it, if a house that's been built by a building company falls down in five years of course that makes them look bad so it's in their yeah. best interest to to you know have that built into the cost i mean I'm now we're going to interrupt this broadcast i always wanted to say that we're going to interrupt this broadcast to give you a quick reminder that nti is now partnered with meta securities hospitality property fund and they're offering their mind-blowingly gorgeous machia townhouses in kyoto so there's four of them, each about 100 years or older, lovingly restored and renovated to modern standards luxury. Stunning architecture and comfort, all the modern conveniences, including uh, your scenic indoor or outdoor bath, spectacular dining and sitting rooms, disgustingly decadent Japanese or Western-style bedrooms, high-speed Wi-Fi internet, kitchen, outdoor decks, Japanese gardens, the works. Now, each of these homes can comfortably host two or three families, including kids. So anywhere from one or two guests and all the way up to a dozen or so. And you can rent the entire house to yourself. So no other guests. It's all yours. Run around naked all day and night long, if that's your thing. Supreme Japanese-style luxury accommodation. And since at the moment there are still no foreign tourists in Kyoto, these places are available for rent at ridiculously low prices. So we're talking as little as $430 for a whole week. That's right, luxury accommodation for an entire clan, two families or more, for as little as four, five, or $600 a week. Obviously, the longer the stay, the cheaper the rate is, but you can rent these for anywhere between one or two nights and up to a month or more. So perfect for a weekend getaway, extended holiday, workation, family reunion, company retreat, or even as a gift to a valued client, whatever you might have in mind. And if you book these through our website, you're also going to get an added bonus of one or more 3,000 yen. So that's $30 QO cards, QUO. Those are gift cards that you can use all around the country in convenience stores, restaurants, various stores, lifestyle shops, you name it. The number of cards you'll get depends on the length of the stay, but you'll always get at least one of these. So if you're in Japan, or even if you're out of Japan, but you think that you might be able to get in sometimes in the next year or two, and you've been thinking about spending some time in Kyoto, this is your chance to nab the best accommodation deal possible.
So we'll link to the bookings page, which also has some amazing photo galleries for each of these properties on offer. Now, they all come with a fully equipped kitchen, but you can also choose to have your meals delivered to the property if that's your thing. The operator can arrange that for you at very reasonable prices. And if you can't see the show notes for any reason, just go to our website, nippontradings.com. That's N-I-P-P-O-N tradings with an S, all one word, nippontradings.com forward slash Kyoto hyphen holiday hyphen rentals, or just go to nippontradings.com and you'll see the Kyoto holiday rentals option on the top right menu bar. Now we are already taking bookings, so some of the properties may not be available on your dates, but me, the security guys are super accommodating and they'll do their best to find you an available property for whenever it is you're planning your trip, get on there, book your inquiry and take that dream holiday in Kyoto that you've been fantasizing about while these phenomenal prices are still available. And now back to the podcast. I mean, I'm, you know, they're not doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. I mean, I paid for it when, when, when I built the house. So I'm not naive like that, but, um, uh, uh, so yeah, use those, you know, when you use a building company, um, work that relationship, you know, get that, get as much value out of that as possible because you are paying for it. So we make sure every time someone comes around that we have a list of things that we've got questions about, um, and we get them to fix it and we get them to fix it for free. Um, so we usually buy secondhand. So I actually was not aware of that. That's an interesting question. If you buy secondhand, find out the original building company. I mean, if it's changed from the original owner, the warranty is attached to the building itself. Hang on a second. I've got construction next door. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Matt's, milk, Matt's milking his goats and Tracy's got construction. That's right. She's back. <laughs> no, I'm back. It's just that there's construction going on next door and they're noisy as anything and uh, drives me nuts when I'm, you know, trying to do Zoom and I'm trying to do webinars and stuff. So, but, um, but, that's an interesting question, though, Ziv, and, and that's probably maybe some homework that could be for you or for Emil, is that, you know, if you're buying a secondhand property that has been built by one of these large um, building corporations, does the warranty stick with the house or is it with the original contract signer? So that's is an interesting question. Uh, is it just the, um, the large building companies or does any developer, is, is any developer obliged to do that? I don't know. I, I, I can speak from my own experience. Yeah. I know the larger, like when it's a Chumon Jutaku, um, you know, like Mitsuyu Ringyo, um, yeah. that, you know, um, do, or is it Sumitomo Ringyo? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, like those, those homes, um, those big developers, they'll say, yeah, you know, we'll give you a 30 year, um, warranty on the house, um, for like structural and waterproofing, where standard is 10 years. So any developer will give 10 years a standard, um, that by, legal obligation, some, some will do 20 or 30 years. However- That's for owner occupiers that, or is that for like, say a developer who built a, like a small apart or like say six or eight units, do they also uh, offer this kind of thing? Uh, well, I haven't done that, but generally for yeah. personal homes, um, the standard homes, I don't know what policy they have is all if you're tenanting it or not. Um, but if it's, yeah, generally for personal homes, they will give you, um, if you want like that 30 year warranty, but you have to, do the maintenance as, as Tracy was saying on their regular schedule. Yep. So I think she said that they come around every six months to do some like the tenken, the basic inspection. Yeah. Um, but if there's something like maybe after 10 years or so, when they'll say, look, now you have to do the big, um, the, the painting and the, 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 the like the, 
the large scale um, every 10 year maintenance. Um, that's probably out of pocket. I don't think that will be. I would assume in the that, yeah. I yeah. would assume out of pocket. And, um, mm. and it might be. It might be a little bit more expensive than what you can get on on open market for that same maintenance. But in order to keep that warranty, you need to use their maintenance. So some people comment that, well, you know, like it comes with a 30 year, 30 year warranty, uh, sorry, 30 year warranty, but you have to pay their their maintenance fees, which are a little bit more expensive than what you can get elsewhere. Um, but that, I, again, that's something that if you're it depends on what how, your perspective on it. It could be beneficial or it could be, you know, something you don't want to deal with. You think you can get it cheaper. But at the end of the day, every 10 years or so, you're going to need to do that large-scale um, building maintenance. And you can budget, say, 2 million yen. Um, or, you know, to, or, yeah, it, should, it shouldn't be 3 million. depends on the, the scope of it. But if the house is in relatively good condition already, then that's that's what you can look, look at. Um, and the other important one, you know, you mentioned interior is... Usually the wet areas, so bathroom, toilet, kitchen, they have a lifespan of, say, 15 years to 20 years. After about that, it's like, ooh, it's getting a bit tired and a bit old. Time to time to change. Yep. Um, just time to change it. Uh, and that that will cost, you know, for a house, say, if you want to do it cheaply, 5 million yen, um, I think will get you, like, you know, a new bathroom, toilet, kitchen. Maybe seven million. Wow! And wallpaper as well. Maybe because we deal with um, usually smaller mansion units, we've never had to pay more than one and a half, two million yen tops for a new bathroom. Uh, but that's yeah, that, that, that's for just just a new bathroom, right? Well, the whole new unit bath, the whole room. Yeah, yeah I, I said yeah, but bathroom, toilet, kitchen. Ah, oh, kitchen and, too. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So your new kitchen, new kitchen is going to be like two million yen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. but bathroom, yeah, one one million. And also remember, it's your personal personal home, not a rental. When it's rental, it's like a very base grade, heavy duty, bland, plain thing that yeah, you know, quite basic. Whereas when it's your own personal one, it's like, oh, I want the electric faucets. I know, you know, the nicer the nicer quality cabinets with the auto close, um, the the shinier finish, um, you know, the 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 nice built in water filter. Um, and if a, you a want. Stuff, yeah. If you want guests to come in and, and short-term stay it like Tracy does, then you need an even nicer innovation inside, right? There, look, there are things when you do a short-term. There are things that you, when you do a short-term rental that you splurge on, some that you can save save on. Um, you know, it's a it's a different um, short-term rentals around the world are a different animal. So you know, um, things like your utilities you need to budget a lot more because utilities are very expensive. Um, and then when you're buying furniture, etc., then you need to, you know, you can get secondhand furniture, but you need to get new. Um, the things that people touch need to be new and shiny. So towels and sheets and they're consumables and, and uh, um, you need to get those on a regular basis. But in terms of mate, like actual maintenance of the bathrooms and kitchens, we we use it as the feature, not a bug. So um, so we've got some classic Japanese houses, which I wouldn't want to live in full time, but they've got their own kind of charm. And what, as like long the as deep it, metal baths and stuff like that. Metal, yeah, the deep metal baths, 
the the bathrooms that have tiles with like mosaics in them um uh things like the things that i can't deal with are the gas heaters that hang off the wall like the hot water heaters that hang (laughs) off the wall i can't deal with that or the gas heaters where the bath heater is a separate little unit um because they people just don't know how to use them they're kind of a quirk of japan and and um you know whenever i'm taking over a short-term rental i'll insist on a proper gas like upgrade the gas water heater which yep. costs which costs about like juniman nijumayen to do like two hundred thousand yen to do it but those old style um gas uh bath heaters so that's up to been, two thousand dollars or just a bit under that yeah well they've yeah. been known to cook like if you if you fall asleep in one of those you can cook yeah. And people have died in those things. And so in terms of like your liability for yeah. um, a short-term rental, there are some things that, are, that are, I find are non-negotiable and that's one of them. But then there are other things like, you know, the cabinets might be a little bit old or whatever. I can live with them because I can pass them off as the charm and as a classic Japanese experience um, rather than a brand new system kitchen. So, I mean, it really does come down to your marketing on how you sell it. Um, it depends on the property and the guests too, right? Like you wouldn't sell the, a funky absolutely. central Tokyo apartment as having old old school charm, right? That's right. It really depends on who you're targeting, like who yeah. you're who you're selling it to um, and making sure that their expectations are fully transparent. Like, you know, you can't sort of sell a luxury, you know, uh, top of the range um everything you know everything that opens and shuts and have some janky kitchen in there it's like that just won't that just won't fly but you can make a very good living without spending a whole bunch of money upgrading something that you can pass off as a charm as yeah. a charm point i'm sorry i've been in japan for too long right it's like a charm <laughs> point <laughs> i've seen that on i i see that a lot in the um kind of the more rural area well the opposite of that actually which is to be quite honest, like a very large point of um, frustration for me is a lot of people, usually not the new ones who we've been dealing with, but ones who are kind of established um, in, uh, you know, for example, around Atami, this happens. Um, they might think it's charming, <laughs> but yeah. I, I look at what they're offering and I'm just like, well, number one, you know, the photos on your listing are from 10 years ago and the kitchen doesn't look like that anymore. And, <laughs> you know, this, that, and the other, and the, the excuse across the board, I'm actually curious, um, Trace, to hear your reaction to this is, I mean, hundred percent of the time it's, well, you know, it works well enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm just like, geez, Louise, you, you haven't even thought about, you know, profit loss or, you know, what this would even cost or just all these other things. And there's, there's, it's, it's, it's not everywhere, but where it occurs, I find that it's extremely kind of strong, almost like a belief of like, no, this is the way that it must be done. And for a little bit, I was kind of like, oh yeah, but you know, what if I say it like this and then we can make your business? And it's like, nobody wants to do it. This is unfortunately not uncommon for sellers uh, worldwide. I was actually surprised when it happened in Japan. Like we, we deal a lot with tenanted properties and there's always a clause in the purchase contract that says that 
if the tenant uh, leaves or notifies that they're leaving between the signing of the contract and the settlement itself, so there's usually mm-hmm. like three, four weeks period between, then the seller is responsible to renovate the property back to rentable condition. And the, um, uh, the gap between what the uh, buyer thinks is rentable condition and what the seller believes is rentable condition is, is very, very wide. Like we don't need to change the wallpaper. They look fine. No, there's got, you know, the cigarette, yellow um, yellow tobacco <laughs> spots on it. <laughs> Yeah, there is there is that disconnect, and and also, um, you know, I look at holiday rentals. So that you know, someone who's had a holiday rental and been living and been using it as their holiday rental for 10, 15, 20 years, they're used to it, right? Yeah, they're used to it exactly. Yeah. You know, it's just like, um, you know, it might have been top of the range in the bubble period when we <laughs> built that house. You know, I'm talking, I'm thinking about a tummy and all those places that went up in the bubble time. It's like, mm. yeah, they might've been top of the range during the bubble time. And I'm sure that you were really proud of them now, but you know, time's marched on love. <laughs> um, you know, you, yeah, you, you need to accept that. And, and, and the only way to get around that is really to show them the alternative. If that, if, if the only thing that they've seen as a, as a seller is their own stuff then then the solution for that is education and that's to take them just to, to somewhere that has been renovated that has had the this the, is know, what it looks like yeah this yeah, is I what completely your place could yeah. be and it's mm. like it's only because you're familiar with seeing this every day it's like mm-hmm. like that's it's really what you love is not it's not really going to be what the market loves so I I had a little slip up the other day with um, speaking with somebody uh, who was looking to sell, um, not, not, you know, to have an Airbnb or anything and was, and I, I'm pretty sure that I didn't say it offensively at all, but basically like, well, no, we need to talk about general cleaning, both, you know, outside indoors. Um, I didn't point at anything right and suggest that that looks terrible or whatnot and they were just taken aback and like how could you say such a thing (laughs) (laughs) cleaned it before you came (laughs) and i mean to their credit it wasn't you know it wasn't bad by any means um but it's just a matter of like yo if you're preparing this thing to be put on the market and especially for their own benefit too they'd be getting a lot more money if the place looks more presentable wouldn't they i I don't know about a lot but they definitely there'd be more chance for them it was a very interesting and enlightening conversation. In fact, after it though, we ended up being buddy buddy and just had like a great day out. So it was totally cool um, in that sense. But there, what it boiled down to, I think, was that, and this was an older person, an older Japanese person as well. Um, especially amongst that demographic, I would expect there to be again a very strongly held, not belief, but like supposed understanding of what real estate is and how long it takes to do something. And that's usually a number of years, basically, um, to get something sold. And the whole point that we're getting across is like, well, no, if you, you know, do this, 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 and there's some costs associated with that. But because of that, you know, we can jack the price up there a little bit. And we can also probably take the sale period or the time it takes to sell down. And it was these things that I ended up understanding that they did not understand. Right. I've and been hearing the story, actually, when we just started working in real estate in Japan, I've been hearing stories from people who say, oh, no, you know, I got in-laws in Japan and they've had this place standing vacant in Osaka and it's very central and it's been standing vacant for five years and no tenants and nobody wants to buy it. Well, 
what have you done with the place? Because we've had the opposite experience. Like, you know, places get sold within a couple of months at most if they're priced right and they look okay. Right, right, right. And so there's, and Tracy, I think you mentioned the word, the word education, right, is a very, yes, there's a lot of education that needs done. And it's still, I, I definitely don't know the right way to go about it just yet, um, because it is a very strongly ingrained sort of process. And, and it is a personal thing, too. It's not like these people are, you know, wrong for wanting to do it their way. Um, or something like that. I, I can kind case of case by case, like you did, right? You you know you show one person and then you you sort of spread it, let it ripple out, kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. An important I, thing to to look at when when discussing this particular matter, like you know, you're trying to sell. How much should you pretty up the property to get the maximum value for it? What's the return? What's the right return? Aging. It, it's yeah. difficult. Yeah, it, it's difficult because, you know, the, the repairs that you do, like the super, superficial stuff, right, um, which are like wallpaper, um, like wallpaper is an easy one. So that's about 10,000 yen per square meter of house, right? So uh, a 80 square meter property, you know, maybe 600,000 to eight. 800,000 yen is like the, the nicest sort of stuff. But you know, Again, I, I that's pretty. I love your uh, renovations, Emil. You're doing fancy renovations. There. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that's hella expensive. <laughs> well, you have to remember, right? Like when people are paying 80 million yen, 100 million yen yeah, no, no, for a I property. Agree. And it's for their own, own thing, right? And I'm, I try to be a bit, I say, I don't try to un, like, estimate the cheapest price. And yeah. what I'm going to say is it's, 7,500 yen per 10 square meters, uh, per square meter, right? You know, um, and eight, like 10,000 sort of an easy number. And it's generally a little bit below that. That's why I say for an 80 square meter house, you know, maybe you can get 600,000 yen um, is what you can get for all the wall wallpapering to get to get really done. Um, you, and yeah, because it's for your personal property, you're not going to have just that very basic sort of mm. the, the, the cheapest, the cheapest. Yeah, that's the main difference, I think. Right. Um, yeah. And also, re relative to the the the, the the price of the property, right? Yeah, it's a million dollar house. You don't want to say we're really going to get the, the cheapest versus the most expensive wallpaper is two hundred thousand yen. Yeah, right. Like you're going to get like you're going to spend five hundred thousand yen or seven hundred thousand. Well, you know, I'd rather get yeah. And it's such an important figure. It's all it's the the most visual thing that you see for the most part inside your inside your house. Mm -hmm. and you're going to live with it for for several years. We should probably mention to viewers who are not residing in Japan that um, painted walls are very much not the thing here. Almost everywhere is wallpaper. And when we say wallpaper, we're not talking about like grandma, uh, grandma Rachel's like um, 50 years ago, like flowers and ferns. We're yeah, talking about good. smooth wallpaper that or, or slightly accented wallpaper that actually looks like normally painted walls basically your background <laughs> well and but the thing is i just recently though um we're talking about wallpaper um you know with short-term rentals it's really hard on walls so you know suitcases coming in every day mm. um and also uh yeah suitcases coming in every day and also people oh, flooring just, too i would imagine right oh and flooring so but but I've been using the downtime to do, a, you know, a few tart-ups of the, the properties. Um, I actually painted the wallpaper in one of my places. Oh. Um, and it, it had pure white wallpaper, 
um, that, you know, had a few scuff marks on it. And um, the cheapest option for me was paint. And I painted over it. So, um, you know, I'm used to, used to renovating houses. I did it in Australia before I moved here. And, uh, yeah, it was two days. Um, and uh, it was really hard to get, you know, in the stairwell of this three-bedroom three, three bedroom house, the three-story house. Um, but, yeah, that was the cheapest option for me was to paint the wallpaper. It looks like a million bucks in small unmarked bills. It looks amazing really? from, from painting, yeah. And it was, uh, I think it cost me, you know, you know, in paint, you know, less than like, you know, a couple of hundred dollars worth yeah. of paint and, you know, all the little paraphernalia that you need, you know, rollers and cutting in brushes and, and, um, and, and elbow grease. So we're all um, widening our eyes. Professional renovators listening in are probably like, yeah, everybody knows you can paint wallpaper. I didn't know that. Well, wallpaper? Depends. Hell, you can paint walls. And that's, that's the cheapest way to go. And like for me, for a short-term rental, I, I, it's, a, it's then easy for me then to touch up when mm -hmm. I've got scuff marks or, you know, people coming in with, with rolly suitcases. I can, I can really, you know, just touch up touch up the paint then. plus it's all going to be the same shade whereas with the wallpaper once it becomes a bit jaded you have to replace at least the entire wall if not the entire room otherwise everything looks uneven correct yeah yes. that's so that's so, really dangerous. Tracy, i definitely agree with you for, for short-term type rentals yeah like painting over the wallpaper because then you get a scuff you just have to paint it you have to repair the section of wallpaper or the entire like the yeah. entire section of wall and get someone in um you see just you know get the paint boom 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 and you're and you're good so yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, but yeah, as I said, in, for my clients, people are buying their personal homes. So they come in and, you know, like, so wallpaper is a norm here, right? So the idea of painting, we don't really even, that's not even a discussion that we have when we're talking about renovations um, or by they're buying a new property. And also when, you know, I think the start of this discussion was when someone is trying to sell their property, what kind of things can they do to maximize the price? Painting wallpaper is not one of them, right? Um, it will be replace the wallpaper. The buyer right? will um, so see that if they if they recognize that it's been painted, they'll probably wouldn't go for that. I think. Yeah, yeah, precisely. But I would, like, would, like this, is, this is strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's not, it's not going to increase the value. Um, our sellers, there's like you know when someone wants to sell a property, they'll say, look, what should I renovate? What should I fix up before I sell it to do it? And there's two. It, it, it's hard to balance. There's like two schools of thought. One is you know, spend, you know, maybe a, a million yen and change, you know, all the, the tap handles, the door handles, um, give it a professional cleaning, new wallpaper and resurf, like not resurface, maybe like, you know, maybe uh, 40, 50,000 yen. The flooring um, oh yeah, on a week cleaning and, and polishing on the floor. Yeah. Just to, just to bring it back up to scratch. But if it's quite an, if it's an old property where sometimes whoever's going to buy it, is going to renovate the whole thing anyway. Like the kitchen is too old, the bathroom is too old. Then, even if you change the taps, that's not doesn't make a difference. You could have left the old junk, junk stuff there, because um, they're going to rip it out anyway. Uh, so you're just going putting an extra expense for no no reason whatsoever. Well, in our case, because it's mostly investment properties, it's always going to be option one for us. Um, we wouldn't like whoever is going to be buying this property would never want to live in it. So, so all they want is to be able to put a tenant in there as quickly as possible. So we always yeah. go with option one unless it's really ancient interior. Yeah, um, and the scope of, look, and the scope of prices. 
Yeah, that, I'll, that I'll just a... finish up. Um, the scope of prices is significantly different as well um, because, you know, if you're buying something in, um, you know, uh, Akia in Naka, you're not going to spend more than the value of the whole purchase on new bathroom, new vanity. Like that's, that, that, that will be a deal breaker if the bathroom, kitchen toilets have to be changed, right? But uh, um, when... No, unless they're going uh, for the, uh, for uh, the uh, land uh, and uh, the possibly, location. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, but possibly, sorry. Yeah, like, and plus, uh, kind of what Tracy was saying too about like the, the, what was it, the specialness or whatever, the quirkiness, like the character, character. Charm points. Yeah, the charm points. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. But, but whereas when in Tokyo, people are buying 80 million yen, 100 million yen, 120 million yen, the, the cost of a, a, the bathroom replacement is kind of the same whether it's a 20 million yen property or 80 million yen property. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the percentage, like the buyers can can just, oh, okay, it's you know, 80 million for the property, 8 million yen for renovation. Cool, so I'm paying 88 million yen and it's going to be fully renovated. Emil, why did you That's put a sum up something they can your, do that. What, what are you doing here? How, how uh, are you doing that? What does that mean? I think it's... <laughs> that, I think that, 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 that that's one. It wasn't me the first one. I get one too? How do you do that? <laughs> Let me do zoom on it. But the, the, I mean, it really does depend who you're trying to sell it to, right? So, yeah, what they're going to do with it, I think. Yeah, if you're trying to sell it to someone who is going to live in it as their personal house, they may not have the vision of someone who is an investor. So, it really does, it really does depend on who who you're trying to sell it to and at what price point. So, yeah. um, uh, so there's really no hard and fast. Uh, no hard and fast rule for that. Um, no, but those are all very interesting points of view. I mean, exactly because they're so different and, you know, people use these places for different purposes and they do different things with them and they want them to look in different ways. So that, that's actually very interesting. I am highly suspicious, though, of those people who enjoy the deep but, but square steel tub. I don't understand that one. That's like, actually, I, I rather enjoy that too. When really? I yeah, when I go over to the in-laws, yeah, it's kind of like mini onsen. I like that. Really? I like it better than the like the tiny <laughs> sitting baths that come in those uh, rental units or hotels. Uh, all right. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I used to have... Tracy, you'll hate this. I used to have one of those. Plus, it was the crank gas thing. That when I, I hate. When I lived in Iwate. So like that thing was... <laughs> I think you're a bit traumatized there. That's like... Yeah, I, I, love, I can live with the steel bath. I just can't live with the gas, you know, the gas hot water that you've got to start each time. It should be like you turn the hot water tap on, the gas starts. I mean, that's, you know, that's a, a no-brainer for, you know, modern convenience. But the actual, what the tub looks like, I can, you know... Um, you know, I've seen some amazing tubs that have been, you know, hinoki. I'd never live with a hinoki tub. Like the mold on that, on those, on those things. Oh, what's but a hinoki tub? Sorry. The wooden, the wooden, the wooden tub. tub. I've got, I've got. Oh, they're nice at a hotel. I wouldn't want them at home though. Yeah, oh, exactly, exactly. So it's a short. The short-term rental experience is very different. I wouldn't want to live with it. But mm. um, yeah, you can really sell any sort of tub with a short-term rental experience. What you can't sell is that hot, like, you know, really old fashioned hot water that you, you need a degree in 
you know, and, and, uh, like a proper warning on it saying like, you might burn yourself. Please be very careful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Matt, no. You have a, you said you have a Hinoki tub. Yeah, we, well, we made it. So we've got, I've got marble, like a marble, I've got two marble tubs. And then one of them, we got a bunch of Hinoki and kind of like renovated it into the Hinoki tub. So like, that's what you get when you buy Akia. Yeah. <laughs> Charm points. Yeah. Every time, every time I see the metal, metal tubs, it just reminds me of like a scene where there's a bunch of cannibals just around, like there's a human inside like a little a pot on a fire. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, and I'm like, I'm, I'm six foot. Because those little, those metal ones, they're just they're square, right? You can't like. That, that's a lovely note. Up. Yeah, what do you do? Conversation on Emil. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll carry that image with me until the end of the day. Thank you. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going in that tub. I like, you know, <laughs> I'm even like opening my own toilet seats. You know, it's all electric. There's a button that opens and closes by itself. I shouldn't have to, you know, touch the toilet. You know. You know, you got the, the 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 cleaner spray, the dryer. It's all automated. I know. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I, well, that, folks, that's me. <laughs> I think with that, uh, we've been at it for a while, so we can probably call it a day um, with tubs and bath. But uh, yeah, quick round of uh, we haven't done introductions today, actually. So maybe outros. Um, outros. Outros. We'll start with you today, Tracy. Okay, so um, it's just because I've got the pink hair today. That's what it is. So, <laughs> um, Fabulous, so my, my name's Tracy. I'm CEO of Tokyo Family Stays, which is a family-friendly short-term rental business in Tokyo. Uh, and the name's baked right into the what we do and who we serve. Um, and so I mainly run um, single-family homes in Tokyo for short stays. I also manage other people's properties uh, for short stays um, in Japan. So if you have a property you want to use it part-time and you want to rent it out part-time and make some extra money, I'm the person to, do, to be your property manager. So that's what I do. Um, and uh, I... I have a Minpaku Kandi license. I have a Minpaku, each house has a Minpaku license. So um, I can't get you your licenses, but I can tell you what you need to do to get them. So um, I've been doing this for 10 years in Tokyo and I've been in Japan for 21 years now. So, um, and I really love, I, you know, I can't wait for the borders to open again because um, all my customers are going to be coming back. Hopefully and soon. And soon, yes. <laughs> End of the month, isn't it? Or yeah, something's sure. happening at the end of the month. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's, it's going to be reduced. And I think business travelers are hopefully coming back um, in about two months, or that's what they're talking about, but not tourists, not yet. I think next, well, re-entries re have, have now started up. So for places that had... Um, poor um you know poor numbers that the, the re-entries have been re like from india and other places like that that's if you've already been in, like a re-entry is that you've already been here before and and you're coming back again um yeah. new visas so new business visas and then like i think new business visas will be first and then um short-term visas so tourist like tourist visas uh they will be probably mid-december that's my prediction you heard Tourist it here first. visas mid-December. Oh, fingers crossed. That's my that's my hope. I think I think you know by November we'll be having business travelers back, uh, people that have had their uh, certificate of eligibility approved and they're just waiting on their entry, their yeah. their first time entry. Um, yeah, no, I I I'm fully I'm. 
fully expected. There was an announcement in the uh, Japan Times that Kyoto is going bankrupt um, because they went from three point, you know, thirty-nine million, you know, visitors down to four hundred and fifty. And all of the residents are really, really hoping the tourists will never come back. Right. So, yeah, you might want to not the business owners, but the residents. Jis and Basan want the tourists to stay out. No, well, that's tough. I'm sorry, that's tough luck. You know, it's yeah. like let's know, move on. Let's move on. This, uh, I think, this is uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is uh, the the pit we always end. Emil doesn't fun. like this to go off topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Emil. Uh, what do you do? It's, it's never ending. It's never ending. Um, Give us you know, the this is a, the Japan real estate experts panel, not the uh, foreign tourism experts. <laughs> um, or foreign tourism speculate speculate panel. Um, my name is Emil. I'm a real estate agent here in Tokyo. I help uh, foreigners and mixed couples uh, find their family home in, in Tokyo. And we also arrange the financing. So we can help you find a property and then also get the mortgage and finance from the uh, from the mega banks. So um, also from, I was hoping to do it last week, but probably from next week, we're going to start doing um, Tuesday afternoons, uh, a, uh, a workshop, Foreigner's Guide to Buying a House in Tokyo. We used to do it a few years ago um, in person, but then we sort of stopped um, in the start of 2020 because of COVID. Uh, but we're thinking of starting it back up um, just via Zoom. So uh, I'll put some information uh, out there once uh, once uh, it gets solidified. That'll be very good. good for me. Matt, who are you? What do you do except raise goats? Uh, goat Tinder, is it? Go, yeah, go. It's a uh, portman too. It's just go Tinder. Um, go to goat. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm <laughs> co founder of Akia and Inaka. Uh, we are a real estate consultancy partnered with a real estate agency, STK Properties, over in Ichigaya in Tokyo, uh, that help um, whoever's interested really access, uh, vet, uh, acquire, and then also renovate and do other stuff to the various abandoned houses across the Japanese countryside for relatively cheap, not super cheap, but much cheaper than most other options out there. Um, so if you're interested in explore, exploring any of that, uh, check out our YouTube channel or Twitter, blah, 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 blah. I'll work across all of it. We're on Twitch is a lot of fun. You can watch us farm digitally as we answer questions about Akia in real life at a rural uh, residence. Oh, I don't think I have that one in the show notes. Matt, could you send me a link to that? I'll include that as well. I've got the yeah. YouTube channel and your website. Yeah, sure thing. We'll do um, yeah, so if you want to go have a wacky time out in rural Japan, you know who to contact. Can I just say, though, Matt, what you're doing obviously is a business that is providing benefit to the uh, the people who are buying. But, yeah. you know, you're really doing a service to, um, you know, just to, to rural, rural districts. I mean, um, you know, you're you. providing a unique unique solution to a problem that a lot of a lot of japanese people just throw up their hands we don't know what to do about this so i commend you i think it's a really really wonderful marriage of opportunity and um and uh um you know opportunity need. to yeah. you and also yeah. need thank you yeah. yeah no thank you yeah we could uh, we could talk about that for hours but since we're doing sign off so i'll leave it at that but thank you <laughs> even even if they resist it's what it's good for them you you drag them kicking and screaming into the 21st century. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> and Ziv, your turn. Yeah, yeah sure. so we do um, probably everything in between. So investment properties, holidays, homes, um, 
For resident or non-resident foreigners, we can help you purchase, we can help you sell anything that you're still holding to if you want to, and we can help you manage them, um, whether you're managing a holiday home and it needs some maintenance and uh, TLC, or you're managing a rental property anywhere in Japan, barring, not barring officially, but probably most of our customers wouldn't um, require services in Tokyo and Osaka or Niseko, but anywhere else in Japan, investment properties, holiday homes, we're happy to help. So yeah, thanks, thanks again, guys. And uh, we'll see you next week. And Emil, send us a link to yes. So oh, thank you, thank you, Matt. Emil, send us a link to the uh, Tokyo uh, Guide to Foreigners. Uh, I think uh, buying a home in Tokyo. I think the, a lot of people will be interested in that. So sure. That as soon as uh, the date and and everything is locked in, I will send you that information. Sweet. So that'll all be in the show notes or the YouTube notes uh, for this episode. Whoever's watching or tuning in. Just uh, go down there and you'll see it all there. Thanks a lot, guys. And we'll see you again next week. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Yet another awesome session with the J-Rep crew. Thanks again for your time, folks. Pleasure as always. And again, one more quick reminder. 10 to 12 December in Hakata, Fukuoka. Business Networking and Gaming Weekend. Book your tickets now. If you haven't done that yet, really looking forward to meeting all of you face-to-face. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, Immigration Lawyer and Administrative Scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis, or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa, and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company, and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku!